Hey everybody, I'm Seth. I'm one of the staff workers here. Let me add my welcome to you, especially if it's your first time. I mean, you're coming to hear about fear, so you're very brave. Last week, we looked at the fear of other people. This week, the fear of failure. Failure at life. Take a minute to chat with the person next to you at your table with what fears of failure you reckon people have out there. Right? Whether small fears or epic fails, what do you reckon people are afraid of failing? 30 seconds. Chat with the person next to you. All right, everybody. I'm keen to hear some responses. What do you guys reckon people are afraid of failing? Exams. Classic. Expectations. Expectations. So many possible people's expectations to fail. Yeah. Relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are so many possibilities for failure, both small and large. You can fail to catch the bus to uni. Uh, You can fail your upcoming exams. You can fail to get a yes on that first date. Or you can fail when you're proposing. Or you could fail at marriage. You could fail to stop the goal going in and get laughed at by your mates. Or you could fail to reach your full potential in life. Which could look like failing out of Sydney Uni, failing to get a job at Macca's, and then failing to get Job Seeker. And if that's like a really bad downward spiral, tell that to the Titanic, that ship that blocked the Suez Canal for like ever, that guy who forgot his Bitcoin passwords, or my favorite epic fail, the Siege of Constantinople. Apparently in 1453, these invaders all came to invade Constantinople, and the defenders, they left the gate unlocked. True story, the invaders came in, destroyed the empire. That's a pretty epic fail. But I wonder for you guys, as you come today, what fears of failure do you have? Because as we bring our fears of failure today, whether they are small or epically large, the story which was read for us from the Bible has Jesus' answer to our fears of failure. You might have come hoping for a set of tips, motivational speech, but Jesus offers a paradigm shift. And we'll see this as we unpack Jesus' teaching in three points. Fear, false success, an antidote to fear, and fearless success. So first, a success to fear. Jesus says, be afraid of false success. Now, when I was studying at uni, seems like a long time ago now, studying chemistry, I heard a quote that stuck with me till today. The quote is this, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at what is not important. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at what is not important. You know, so many people are just striving, leveraging their life, their energy, busy, never stopping to actually ask, what's important in life? What is the standard? Is there any ultimate standard for a successful life? Jesus begins by telling us what is not important, a success to be afraid of. Before we find out what that is, I want to give you guys another moment to chat in your groups, to think about the flip side of failure, to chat about success. 
So have another chat with someone next to you. What do you reckon a successful life looks like? If there was nothing to fear, no obstacles, what is the Australian dream? 30 seconds. All right, guys. Now, I'm not going to take those back at the moment, but keep those in your mind as we go through our next few sections of the talk. Because today, I want to challenge us that our greatest fear shouldn't be a failure, but of succeeding at what's not important. Here we see that Jesus begins by telling us what's not important, a success to fear, the selfish success of greed. Look with me at verse 15. And Jesus said to them, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Take care, be afraid of covetousness, greed, that desire which reaches out of all of our hearts, grasping, wanting, taking. Jesus says, be afraid of letting greed succeed. I think it's a pretty un-Australian warning, which Jesus supports with the story of a very Australian man. Check out verse 16. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I've nowhere to store my crops. Now this is sweet success, right? This already rich bloke strikes gold. This is Elon Musk winning the lotto. Dogecoin to the moon. Notice the man doesn't do any work. It's the land that abounds in nature's gifts of beauty, rich and rare. Now the rich man has so much stuff he doesn't know what to do with it. That's a pretty sweet problem to have. Am I right? Verse 18. Then he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul. You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. The bank calls and says, sorry, you have too much money. This is retirement come early. You never have to work again. You can relax, surfing all day, partying all night, eating. I love eating. I might not look like it, but I love it. Whining and dining on whatever you fancy. Being merry. It's a bit of an unusual word, but a wonderful word. It sounds like Christmas, right? It must be good. In many ways, I reckon this is our Australian dream. Isn't this the picture of success for our Aussie culture? Wealthy, lucky, clever, escaping the rat race, ready to live it up. I think most Australians would be jealous. We've all heard stories of lucky investors retiring in their 30s. Don't you just want that to be you? Well, our successful friend has a problem. He's forgotten two very important things. The first thing he forgets is death. The Russian novelist Tolstoy, he tells a story called How Much Land Does a Man Need? In the story, the devil comes and makes a deal with a rich man. The devil says that if the rich man gives him a thousand bucks, then he can have as much land as he can run around in a day. The only catch is this. He's got to set out from a particular point at sunrise. Run around as much land as he can, but he has to make it back 
before sunset, or else he forfeits the money, whatever land, and looks like a fool. No-brainer. The rich man says, sure, devil, I'll do that. And off he goes. He begins his run. Sunrise, running, running. Mid-morning, farther away, running. Lunchtime, I can get a little more, running, running. Then, middle of the afternoon, it's time to turn back. He turns back from his vast swath of land and begins to run towards the finishing line. He runs and runs. The day grows darker. He runs. He comes and he sees just ahead where he began. And the sun is about to dip beneath the horizon. And so with all of his strength, he runs and gets across the finishing line. And he has a heart attack and he dies. Because how much land does a man need? Well, he was buried in a grave six feet by two feet. In our fears of failure, small or large, in our strivings for success, have we forgotten death? Because there are no respawns. There are no second tries. All the success in the world can't stop us from dying. Whether we pass our exams or we fail out of uni, whether our startup company fails or we become the next Bezos, young people die just like old people do. You will die one day. Just ponder that fact for a moment. In the end, you know what you can take with you. Nothing, not one slice of success. Everything we stored up for ourselves, all our trophies, all our triumphs, when we die, they count for nothing. And perhaps less than nothing, because the rich man didn't just forget death, he forgot the most important thing of all, God. And where most of us might be a bit jealous of this rich farmer, where most Australians would probably say, what a success. What does God say? But God said to him, fool, failure. Because this man's life and all of his success was selfish. I mean, do you see the way that he spoke? Look again at little number 17. Then he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Have you ever met anybody like this? Always talking about themselves? I mean, the only time he says you is when he's talking to himself. It's the middle of the pandemic, and this guy has all the toilet paper. It's his stuff, it's his success, and nobody else figures into his plans. But the problem is, he figures into God's plans. And so God shows up, and God is less than impressed with all of his success. Before God, this man is bankrupt, a failure. And so God says these chilling words that I hope we will never have to hear. Fool, this night your soul is required of you. You'll die tonight. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. God, the one who gave him life and all of his success, takes it back. And this is what is wrong with selfish success. Death shows its futility. 
And when we succeed for ourselves, always greedily wanting more selfish success, whether that translates to goods or grades, glory or pleasure, when our greed succeeds, we forget the most important thing. Not only are we selfish and not rich towards others, ultimately we're not rich towards the God who gives and sustains our very lives. And Jesus makes it clear that one day God will show up and to whoever has sought selfish success for themselves and was not rich towards him, God will say, you fool, you've succeeded at what's not important. What do you reckon God would say if he showed up for Australia tonight? If he showed up for Australia with its successful economy, on the one hand, its generous NDIS and job seeker payments, the way it's buying a surplus of vaccines in order to share with our near neighbors. But on the other hand, all the stuff that it's stored up for itself, all its sporting success and its pleasurable pastimes, but no time for God. What would God have to say to Australia, do you reckon? What would God have to say to you if he showed up for you tonight? How rich have you been towards God? Now, Jesus can be pretty intense, right? I mean, if we stop today's story here, you might be left with more fear of failure than you came with. Your friend told you Jesus might be good news, but now you're more afraid than ever. I mean, maybe Jesus' story hits us where it hurts. Maybe our lives and our plans look a little bit too much like this rich man. But friends, Jesus isn't playing with our fears. As Jesus tells us his story, he's warning us to be afraid of false success, but only so that he can lead us to the antidote to fear and then on to true success. Jesus warns us to be afraid only so he can free us from the fear of failure with an antidote to anxiety. So Jesus turns from the crowd to his disciples, his students, and he reminds them of the antidote to anxiety, which is God as Father. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Fear not, little flock, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't be anxious, Jesus says. Fear not, Jesus says. And the disciples, who probably are afraid, are wondering, what? What's Jesus on? I mean, to be fair, Jesus is not speaking about clinical anxiety or depression. We shouldn't hear any suggestion of neurochemical quick fixes here. But Jesus is commanding his disciples, who probably are afraid, not to be afraid of their life. Not just the extra successes in life that maybe don't really matter, but of the necessities, right? What to eat, what to wear. I mean, if there's anything worth worrying about, Shouldn't it be the things that you really need? How can Jesus say, don't be anxious, fear not? Well, Jesus' answer, his antidote to anxiety, is knowing God as Father. 
Disciples of Jesus don't need to be afraid of the necessities of life because God is our Father. Now, many of us have had less than ideal dads. We don't want another one. But God is a generous and kind Father. God is what fathers were always meant to be like. So if you're not a follower of Jesus today, this is actually something which would make you want to become one. Living with God as your father is so good. Just think about what Jesus says. Consider the ravens and the lilies, Jesus says. Do the ravens work hard, freaking out about failure, heading out early into the fields to plant, harvest, store up in barns? No, they have no concept of time the past or the future, they just live in the present moment. They live from need to need. Dirty birds. But God feeds them. Consider the lilies, Jesus says. Do you see the lilies toiling and spinning, freaking out about failure? No, but these transient plants are better dressed than insert well-dressed pop cultural reference here. I mean, I struggled with this one. The girls weren't as hard. Meghan Merkel, Kendall Jenner, maybe. But guys, who are well-dressed guys? You, you, Chris. Oh, Chris, are you volunteering? (laughs) Maybe it's Chris. Yes, even better than Chris. Every day, all day, every day, the flowers are even better dressed than Chris because God dresses them up in glory. And if God feeds the birds and he clothes the flowers, how much more will he meet your needs? I mean, when was the last time that you saw a starving bird or an ugly lily? As a general rule, God cares for them. He meets the needs of their very momentary lives with abundant food and beautiful glory. And how much more valuable to God are you Not that animals and plants aren't valuable to to God. I mean, Jesus' argument only works if they are. But you, he cares for you so much more. And it's not just a general pattern of God's creation that proves God's fatherly goodness. Even more, it's God's specific goodness in salvation. You see, God's not like that rich dude who hoarded the stuff for himself. No, God is a giver. And it's not enough for God to give us our beautiful creation and to meet our needs. No, God wants to give you and I what Jesus calls the kingdom, which is Jesus' shorthand way of speaking about forgiveness, adoption into his family, eternal life and heaven. Look at verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Most religions in the world, most philosophies of life, are a lot of hard work. They're about earning your way into God's good books or some eternal karmic state. Most religions say that God is hard to please, and we need to keep enough rules, we need to be a good enough person, somehow succeed in winning God's favor. But not Christianity. Jesus teaches that God is Father, and His kingdom is a gift. Forgiveness, adoption into God's family, eternal life is all a gift. And this is the antidote to the fear of failure. Imagine 
your ultimate success in life is not in doubt because it doesn't depend on you, but on the good Father, God, who gives and gives and gives again, even giving you his kingdom, though none of us deserve it. And the price is the gift. The price of the gift is the death of God's son. You may have heard the classic Bible verse, John 3:16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die the death of a selfish person like me. You know, Jesus was always rich towards other people. He didn't deserve to die, but he died in the place of everybody who seeks selfish success. And if God is willing to pay that price, giving up his own son to give me the kingdom, then no matter how far it seems I've failed, no matter how afraid of failure I am and how scarce the resources are, I never need to fear. I never need to fear from the basic needs of life to its ultimate success. I have nothing to be afraid of because I know God as my father. Do you? Do you know God as your father? Wouldn't it be good to know God as your generous father? Wouldn't it be good to know that your future, your success was secure because God is pleased to give you his kingdom? Maybe you're thinking that sounds way too good to be true. Maybe you've got so many questions. And if that's the case, can, you, can I encourage you to ask your questions? And talk to the person who brought you along today. Talk to your friends. Ask those questions. Join a Bible study. Find out more. This is worth finding out about. Come chat to me afterwards. If this is true, it's pretty amazing news. Or maybe you're ready. You know, you know this sounds so good that it must be true. You've been investigating Christianity, but you haven't committed yet. You've been putting it off. But today is the day to turn away from seeking selfish success. You can see that it won't satisfy you or God. And you want to be free from the fear of failure. Today is the day that you want to accept God and his gift of the kingdom. Because you know, if you do, if God is your father, the antidote to fear, it will make all the difference in your life. It doesn't mean that you'll never be afraid again, but it does mean that you won't need to be because having God as your father will lead to true success, fearless generosity. Last point, Jesus says that all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When you chatted in your group before, I wonder if any of us came up with this as the pattern of the successful life. Free from anxiety, rich towards God, giving to the poor.
Imagine what it would be like if we lived like this. Imagine Sydney Uni filled with students living free from anxiety, free from fear, free from seeking selfish success. Imagine Australian society filled with people fearlessly giving, giving to God, seeking His kingdom and pursuing His priorities of mercy and justice and love and self-sacrifice and humility, leveraging their time, their money, their energy, everything for God's glory. Imagine giving fearlessly to the poor. When was the last time that you gave something that actually cost you? Because if your security and your success in this life is based on your wealth, if your treasure is here on earth, it's really hard to give it away. But if your security is in God, your Father, treasure stored in heaven, then you can. Jesus' disciples are freed from fear to be children like their Father, giving generously, investing in heaven by giving their earthly treasure away. This is the truly successful life, Jesus says. Fearlessly generous, loving God, loving others. Why wouldn't we want to live like this? Before I finish, though, I want to confess. I want to confess that Christians have not always lived like this. We have often, as Christians, failed to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Speaking for myself, there are many times when I have failed to live fear-free, when I have failed to be fearlessly generous. And on the one hand, that makes me so much more grateful that the antidote to fear isn't success, it isn't striving all that much harder, but that God is my Father who forgives and gives and gives. But I do want you to know that God has changed my life. He's weakened my fears, and he's given me a joy for giving. And I've seen this here amongst the EU, especially on the Tuesday, which I get to hang out with people. I'm not always here on Thursday, but I've seen people who go without so that they can give to the poor. I've seen people who've canceled subscriptions and don't, you know, take them up for Netflix or whatever, because they want to actually give that money to God's work in the world. I've seen people who are following Jesus in this way because ultimately the proof of this preaching is in the practice of God's people and the preacher. Not me, but Jesus. Because ultimately, Jesus was the one who practiced what he preached. He never sought selfish success. He always lived fearlessly for his Father by giving and giving and giving until he gave himself to die a criminal's death for you and for me, fearlessly generous. And God the Father raised Jesus up from the dead, the historical miracle that continues to change history in many of our lives in this room. Jesus is the one who has authority to warn all of us to fear selfish success because he is the one who gave himself so that we might call God our Father and live with fearless generosity. Don't you want to live like this? This life can be scary, full of fears. There are so many ways to fail. Flowers are cast into the fire. Birds fall dead from the sky. Jesus was hunted down and he was stuck up naked on a cross, 
to look like the biggest failure the world has ever seen. But even so, he was raised from the dead. And he is alive forever. And Jesus calls us to turn away from seeking success for ourselves and our small fears, our grades, our careers, our relationships, whatever it is you're afraid to fail at, even life itself. Come to a generous Father who is pleased to give you all you really need and far more. Consider the birds and the flowers. Come find success with Jesus, fearlessly generous. It might be today that you're ready. You want to turn away from seeking selfish success. You want to turn and find God as your Father so you can live this fearlessly generous life. And if that's you today, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. Just, I'll put it up on the screen. I'll show you what I'm inviting you to pray. Um, in a, I'll read this twice. The first time, just so you can see what I'm inviting you to pray. And the second time, if this is you and you want to pray this, I'll pray it again. And you can just echo it in your mind and direct that to God and he will hear you. Let me, let me tell you what I'm inviting you to pray. God, I confess that I've been selfish, seeking success for myself. Please forgive me. Thank you that Jesus died so I might know you as my father and be freed from fear. Please give me all I need. Give me your kingdom and help me live a life of fearless generosity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the prayer I'm inviting you to pray. It's a prayer which many of us have prayed as we become Christians at the start of our walk with God. So if you'd like to become a Christian today, join the family. Why don't you pray with me? I'll just ask everyone to close their eyes. If you want to pray this prayer, just echo in your mind the words I say. God, I confess that I've been selfish, seeking success for myself. Please forgive me. Thank you that Jesus died so I might know you as my father and be freed from fear. Please give me all I need. Give me your kingdom and help me live a life of fearless generosity. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, welcome to the family. For the rest of us, for the rest of Jesus' disciples, the question is this, why are we so afraid? Oh, you of little faith, consider again the birds and the flowers. As you face your fears of exams, expectations, relationships, remember, God is your father. Maybe this week, lean away from your fears and into giving something that costs you. Give something of your time or your money or your energy, whatever it is that's going to cost you the most. Because you know that God's your father and he's pleased to give you the kingdom. So you have nothing to fear. You're free to seek true success. Selfless generosity.